Hello everyone. Welcome to Voice of the Wild, a weekly podcast initiative by Naturalist Foundation. This is the 6th episode airing on 27 June 2020. With this podcast, we bring you closer to the world of wildlife conservation, scientific research and government wildlife policies. I am Ritwik Menon and I am Manishri Naik. Today in the 6th episode of the podcast, we will be talking about the various issues faced by the wildlife of India due to illegal activities like poaching. and also how the population of tigers in india has been affected by it for the past 8 years at a broader perspective wildlife trade for bush meat is being legalized in africa leading to much more problems for the animals in the world such kind of problems along with habitat loss and fragmentation has left asian elephants with the only option of migrating uphill in the himalayas for survival Taking a look at the positive side uttarakhand forest department has established a biodiversity park to spread awareness of such kind of issues faced by the environment of our country along with that we have also included some updates on the hubli ankola railway line so without further ado let's get right into it amidst the lockdown incidents of wildlife poaching in india have more than doubled with 88 animals being killed for meat and trade during this time compared to 35 in the pre lockdown days in february this was analyzed by a new study so what is poaching Poaching in simple words has been defined as the illegal hunting or capturing of wild animals usually for varied purposes. Now why is poaching carried out? People who poach do so for variety of reasons including for food, pleasure and trophies. In some areas such as China, poaching is done because animal products like ivory and fur have huge market values. In other places, poaching is mainly carried out due to poverty and for food. As said earlier, the study was conducted by Traffic, a wildlife trade monitoring network and an NGO working globally on trade in wild animals. They are of the view that between February 10th and 22nd, the number of animal poaching incidents was 35, while during the lockdown period between 23rd March and May 3rd, the number has risen to 88. They also studied that these poaching cases are not restricted to any particular geographical area, wildlife area, region or state. These reported poaching included 9 leopards being killed during the lockdown compared to 4 killed in the pre-lockdown period said the report named Indian wildlife amidst the covid-19 crisis an analysis of poaching and illegal wildlife trade trends reports of poaching incidents for consumption and local trade have more than doubled during lockdown though there was no evidence of stockpiling of wildlife products for future trade in spite of the lockdown all the law enforcement agencies worked consistently especially the department concerned with wild animal population but still the incidents have remarkably increased the highest increase in poaching was seen to be of ungulates that is hoofed animals the reason being mainly for the meat and the percentage jumped from nearly 22% total reported cases pre lockdown to 44% the second group which showed a marked increase was poaching of small mammals including hares porcupines pangolins giant squirrel monkeys and smaller wild cats The CEO of WWF India on this incident said if poaching of ungulates and other small animals continue it will lead to a depletion of prey for big cats like tigers and leopards and will directly lead to depletion of the ecosystem this as a result will lead to higher incidences of man animal conflicts and will greatly affect the significant successes that India has achieved in the field of wildlife conservation although some animals have been in high demand in the international market most hunting during the lockdown period is because of meat or for local trade 
Report also said that a total of 222 people were arrested in poaching related cases by different law enforcement agencies during this lockdown period and this number was 85 during the pre-lockdown period. Rather, there was less reporting of poaching of other illegal trade in tortoises and freshwater turtles with almost no hunting or capturing of these species during the lockdown. On May 14, a night operation was carried out by forest officials under Laokhua Wildlife Sanctuary in Assam's Nagao district in the Dagao village area. And in this operation, they have rescued 13 purple moorhens trapped in cages which were later released in the forest. As per the divisional forest officer of the Nagao Wildlife Division, one person was detained and fined 20,000 for the crimes. It has also been reported that poaching of birds especially waterfowls is being done in different parts of Assam he added that trapping of birds has gone down to a great extent mainly due to patrolling but during this lockdown majority of people are sitting at home and the employment has been greatly affected and hence this could be a reason behind increased attempts of poaching another huge reason for carrying out hunting is that migratory birds have also returned back so what are purple moorhens The purple moorhen also known as purple swamp hen is an aquatic bird found in the marshy lands and swamps throughout our country. In Assam it is popularly known as kamsurai. A domestic hen sized bird purple in color with a red patch on its head, red beak and red legs. A peculiar nature of these birds is that the moorhens are known to be a shy bird which immediately hides in bushes even at the slightest disturbance through which we come to know about how much alert the bird is. Poaching continues because it is still a practice that earns profit and also the investment in this type of poaching is very low as the birds are caught one for self consumption and two to be sold to others these moorhens are sold in the market for roughly around 10000 to 15000 the birds are caught mostly along the brahmaputra as this area has numerous wetlands large swaths of paddy fields and fisheries the strategy used for trapping the birds are as follows The bird calls are played using large speakers in the night mostly near water bodies. One more technique is that the villagers train birds to attract the wild birds. These birds are then trapped using nets and in winter season the nets for trapping are often not visible due to fog. To prevent this the wildlife division of Nagao has planned to launch an awareness program of moorhen conservation with a view that it might be of some help and this will be followed by a special operation to prevent the crime in future. Hence in a bid to save animals from poachers over 1600 forest personnels have been asked to keep a strict vigil in the park without any leave so that this situation can be controlled Since the nationwide lockdown was announced to curb the further spread of novel coronavirus a sudden rise has been seen in the cases of illegal hunting as the animals and birds have stepped out of their natural habitat due to no disturbance or interference by the people Here we can conclude that no matter what the situation is the wildlife is always under threat so now that we've spoken so much about poaching and how it is affecting the wildlife of india it is important to see if it has any kind of effect on the population of our national animal that is the tiger government says that for the last few years there is a big loss in the number of tigers in a shocking state of affairs as many as 750 tigers have died in the country in the past 8 years due to poaching or other activities 
As per official data, Madhya Pradesh, which has the highest number of tigers in India, has reported the highest casualties with 173 tiger deaths. As per data released by the National Tiger Conservation Authority, that is NTCA, of the 750 total deaths, 369 tigers in the country have died due to natural causes, while another 168 due to poaching. Further, 70 tiger deaths are still under scrutiny. while 42 have occurred due to unnatural causes like accidents or conflicts if one looks at the state wise data madhya pradesh has lost the highest number of tigers at 173 followed by maharashtra which stands at 125 tiger deaths the other states that have lost tigers include karnataka at 111 uttarakhand at 88 tamil nadu and assam at 54 Kerala with 35 along with Uttar Pradesh, Rajasthan at 17, Bihar and West Bengal at 11 and Chhattisgarh at 10. Poaching is one of the grave threats to tigers and despite strict laws it still continues to happen. According to the numbers, Madhya Pradesh again tops the list with 38 tigers lost due to poaching. Similarly, Maharashtra and Karnataka have lost around 28 tigers each due to poaching. Other states where the big cats died due to poaching include Assam with 17, Uttarakhand with 14 deaths, Uttar Pradesh with 12, Tamil Nadu at 11, Kerala at 6 and Rajasthan at 3. Reportedly, about 101 big cats were also seized during the 8-year period between 2012 and 2019 by different authorities across the country. Wildlife activists express grave concern about tiger deaths. Currently, the tiger count in our country stands at 2976, and in the past 4 years there has been an increase in the tiger population in the country by 750. However, a similar number of deaths in the past 8 years is a matter of grave concern too. Several wildlife activists have expressed their concerns over the tiger deaths. Many of them support stricter wildlife provisions to punish the guilty. Usually, a general of the Wildlife Protection Act of 1972 attracts a maximum sentence of three years imprisonment or a fine, which extends to rupees twenty-five thousand only. Now, twenty-five thousand looks like a really small amount for the kind of atrocities that these people perform. However, as per data, the conviction rate for wildlife crimes is quite low in our country. and for poachers the conviction rate stands at a shocking 4% that means that only 4% of the total illegal trade that happens in our country is actually recorded normally we see wildlife trade as nothing but a few trinkets at a gift shop what we fail to understand is that it is a billion dollar industry enough to rival many electronic industries a few years back survey showed that there are around 3890 tigers in the wild While a World Wildlife Fund for Nature estimates suggests that there are 5,000 tigers in captivity in the U.S., if statistics are to be considered, then there are more Bengal tigers in U.S. than there are in the Bay of Bengal. Naivety and greed is what drives this industry. Most of the animal poaching and consumption is done for the belief of medicinal benefits. For example, rhino horn mythologically has the power which lets you mate for three to four hours, which of course is not true. but because rhino horn is porous most of the sellers soak it in viagra which further validates the mythological benefit the same goes with pangolins 
which are one of the most poached animals and are on the brink of extinction in Nigeria, are hunted for medical reasons. We see a similar pattern in Africa where great apes are hunted because their body parts are believed to have magical qualities and therefore are used in their traditional practices of witchcraft and voodoo. Wild animals are mostly hunted for their meat, which is supported by the fact that bush meat accounts for almost 80% of protein intake in Central Africa. However, the new social media boom has created a new market for exotic pets. In most of the cases, the capture of younglings, many adults have to be killed. The adults are sold for meat, while the young ones are sold as exotic pets. The same number increases to 10 to 12 families in case of monkeys and chimpanzees. As the young ones cling to their mother, and therefore, when the mother is shot, succumb to the fall. We see that many zoos tend to buy these orphaned animals, as the selling point for all zoos are exotic animals. But most of the times, these animals are not cared for, or they experience an extreme climate shift, which their bodies don't adjust to. Though we do see buyers of exotic animals who buy them just to set them free, what they, as well as us, don't understand is that even though the end result was good, what it did was further fund the illegal market. Now all this brings us to the current topic of South Africa's plan to pass a bill allowing breeding and consumption of wildlife. The bill lists 90 animals allowed for slaughter and consumption, which already triggers a concern. But what further escalates it is mere 4 to 5 lines that come after it, which states, the act also applies to other species of animals not mentioned above, including birds, fish and reptiles that may be slaughtered as food for human and animal consumption. The schedule includes animals that may be listed as threatened species in accordance with conservation provision and therefore their slaughter for humans and animal consumption must be in line with relevant conservation provisions. If this bill is passed in the current state, it will harm the wildlife to such an extent that we'll see a shift of animals from common to endangered and endangered to extinct. The bill clearly happens to acknowledge that there are animals included that are endangered and yet sanctions its slaughter. One may argue that the bill does say that the slaughter has to be done according to conservation provisions, but we have to understand the lack of execution that takes place when it comes to law. Just for context, bushmeat is predominantly illegal in many countries in Africa and yet you can easily find it being sold openly. Not to say that this is the case with all African countries as there are steps being taken to counter it by countries such as Kenya that has taken strict enforcement measures and, and increased the fine and imprisonment terms to combat wildlife trade. The question arises that why don't we as a society do something about it? The main reason that it is ignored even by the governments is because it is not a political agenda. While politics is fought on the basis of religious agenda, at times discriminatory, or industrial boom, we hardly see any politician talk about wildlife or ecology and its preservation. In an interview with the news platform, Forest Reserve Officers of Cameroon shared the same thought. It is a protected area which stretches as long as 5000 square kilometers and yet has only 60 to 70 guards and lacks proper funding. It is so underfunded that at times the rescue operations are being paid for from the pockets of forest reserve officials who earn enough to barely make a living. Recently, there have been efforts taken by the European Union to help the poachers transition from poaching to agriculture and poultry farming. They set up village loan schemes and continue to do so in villages around Jar Reserve. 
Recently, we also see an increase in cross-species transmission of virus. An example being Ebola, HIV, Nipah, etc. We are directly or indirectly the ones that are responsible for it. Study shows that it is less about the animal having the virus than our increase in proximity to these animals. It has been seen that all viruses need is an opportunity. Some are too weak to affect us, while some create a pandemic. Deforestation, billion dollars worth of wildlife trade, agricultural intensification, and rapid urbanization are few things that change the way we interact with the wildlife. Wet markets and bushmeat markets are mostly the epicenter of such outbreaks. It starts from when the animals are brought to be slaughtered. Most of the butchers don't wear proper safety equipments and sometimes get a cut in the process, which allows the blood of the animal to mix with that of a human. This topic of wildlife trade is not just about the animals, but about what happens to the animals and how it directly or indirectly affects us. This topic is so vast and has so many players involved in it that it is impossible to cover it all. At times, you do feel bad for the poachers. who have been doing what their family has done for generations and the only skill they possess is to hunt and sell exotic animals for prices as low as 10 to 20 dollars just to earn enough to live off of it who when asked about their trade remorsefully say we don't kill to just kill or if we don't we die how can someone discuss something that has been going on for generations in a few minutes all we try to do is spread an awareness It started off as a topic just about South African bill but turned out to be something much more ominous something that could not be ignored though we consider ourselves as the pinnacle of creation we turned out to be tyrants rather than liberators such kind of tyranny is evident by the domestication of wild elephants in india elephants being considered one of those majestic royal animals have had a relationship with human habitation and communities for centuries now These creatures have been used in a number of ways and have been tamed and domesticated for years for the purpose of war, building structures of art or even worship. This relationship with humans that has taken place since thousands of years now has led to their captive distribution to many parts of India. Now this distribution might make it seem like elephants are distributed all over our country, but that's not the real case as wild elephants in India are confined to specific habitats. and by specific habitats i mean four small clusters of the indian subcontinent the geographical boundaries of these four clusters are himalayan foothills of uttarakhand northeastern flood plains of assam along with the ranges of arunachal pradesh and nagaland leading to the east central plains they are found in the states of jharkhand and orissa coming down south they are found in the western ghats along the states of maharashtra karnataka kerala and tamil nadu The main habitats of Asian elephants include dry and wet forests along with grassland. Though this being the suitable habitats, Asian elephants are known to have a versatile approach towards the available resources according to their habitats. So now that we are aware about these animals, let's now get to the point and look at the present scenario. Recently, there have been claims by the Uttarakhand state forest officials that Asian elephants have been migrating uphill from the foothills of Himalaya. As this is a very unusual behavior portrayed by these animals a question of why and how arises there have been many speculations about the same by experts of the field also a lot of past studies explain why and how such kind of phenomenon can take place 
Firstly, to understand this kind of behavior, we need to look at the usual migratory behavior of elephants. Elephants can typically be described as social and intelligent nomadic beings. Nomadic in the sense of which they are often seen to migrate in search of new feeding grounds and water resources. Now the question arises that why wouldn't it choose a territory like many other animals and the simple answer to that is because elephants are known to feed on around 200 to 250 kilograms of food each day along with which they require around 50 gallons of water this huge quantity of food required by them is a direct indicator that these mighty animals if stay in one territory could end up destroying a huge deal of biodiversity and regional flora now this unique behavior of migratory feeding not only helps the elephants feed their huge appetite but also helps designing the forests that they move around in now it is important to note that an elephant herd does not forage completely in any part of the forest land and leaves a lot of undisturbed biodiversity that could further rejuvenate the forest floor gaining the title of architects of the forest it is clear why it is important for elephants to migrate now coming back to the present situation where these elephants are seen to migrate uphill in the himalayas we need to know the reason behind it the state forest department claimed that such a behavior could be a result of habitat loss destruction of corridor and a reduction of forest productivity due to climate change one of these the destruction of major corridor is seen as a threat to both humans as well as elephant life The destruction of these habitats is what leads to human wildlife conflict situation in villages. Now we need to know that when elephants migrate they forage on their way to a different territory and if enough is not available they opt for agricultural produce and enter into human settlements. So contrary to the popular beliefs elephants do not require just a tiny path to migrate from one habitat to another. but a completely forested habitat to forage along with migration apart from this the kind of construction that is equally as destructive is the laying of railway lines in the midst of protected areas such scenarios of human wildlife conflict have been recorded ever since the start of the first railway lines in the world during the british colonization there is a famous memorial in malaysia of an elephant bull that charged at the victorian trains and managed to derail it just to protect his herd similar cases of wildlife death due to conflict have still been recorded in india even though not as famously as back then ending it on an informative note it is important to bow down to the huge role played by these animals as bagheera famously said in the jungle book that the elephants created the jungle where they made furrows with their tusks the rivers ran where they blew their trunks the leaves fell they made all that belongs the mountains the trees and the birds in the trees on the occasion of world environment day on 5th june 2020 the uttarakhand forest department opened the largest biodiversity park in the state of haldwani this biodiversity park was open to encourage conservation of flora and especially medicinal plants Uttarakhand Forest Research Wing Biodiversity Park is spread over 18 acres and had 40 thematic sections with about 500 species of plant. The plant species in the biodiversity park are divided into spiritual, religious, scientific, human health and aesthetic categories. Trees mentioned in sacred texts like Guru Granth Sahib, Quran, Bible, 
and others are grown separately in the spiritual section called the Sarvadharma Vatika. Developed with the aim of expressing the importance of each plant in human life, the park is divided into 10 regions, where 25 species of aquatic plants, 50 species of cactus, 32 species of mountainous plants exist. Besides, 80 different types of trees, 43 species of shrubs are also found here. Not only this, 40 species of medicinal herbs, 25 species of palm, 60 species of bamboo, 12 species of orchids and 6 species of cycas are being preserved in this park. These plants of different species have been brought to this park from some glacier and different areas around Niti Mana Valley and even around Kedarnath. This park has lichens, moss, algae and ferns of the Jurassic era as well as huge trees such as Banyan and Ashoka which are associated with the life of Gautam Buddha. The park also displays various types of soil found in the various sites of Uttarakhand such as Alpine, Babar, a sub-mountain, hill, loam and terai. We all know that Uttarakhand, a Himalayan state, is rich in heritage of both flora and fauna. However, the current pace of development poses a significant threat to this property. Due to climate change, loss of habitat, etc., our rich heritage has been damaged. Generational change has also added some degree of neglect and loss. The rate of loss of flower species, especially medicinal plants, has increased over the year in Uttarakhand, which otherwise has always been rich in these. But now the state is rapidly losing its wealth. The biodiversity park is therefore an attempt to preserve such extinct vegetation. State Forest Minister Harak Singh Rawat has commented on the subject saying that this park is a great asset to our state because it shows the importance of trees that caused the development of first human civilization on earth. The park has been developed by the research wing of Uttarakhand Forest Department within a time span of two years. The department has also established a state-of-the-art automated weather station here. Through this faculty, nine different parameters of environment will be recorded every minute to observe the changes in the climatic conditions in the upcoming years. Not only this, the park also depicts driftwood art made from the roots of big trees, pebble art, cone artifacts and some environmental graffiti. Sources claim you may soon find a butterfly park in the Forest Research Center and the center is preparing for this. Forest Garden researcher Sanjeev Chaturvedi said that there are many species of butterfly across the country which are on the verge of extinction. In view of the protection, initiative will be taken to open butterfly parks. The biodiversity park therefore developed with the aim of conservation of environment nearly after two years of hard work is a commendable step taken by the government to make the information of biodiversity available to people along with the conservation of vegetation. So we all might agree that awareness is the key for conservation. It brings the people closer to fight against environmental issues like the Hubli Ankola Railway Line project. The contended Hubli Ankola Railway Line project, which was first introduced in the 1998, had been on back burner since two decades as it had faced stiff opposition from a majority of the board members. It had resurfaced in January 2019 as it got mentioned in the list of government agendas in the Karnataka State Wildlife Board meeting. The project was halted in 1999 as per the Supreme Court stay order. On 20th March 2020, project got approved even though it was previously stayed by the Supreme Court. While on 18th June, Karnataka High Court has stayed the clearance given by the State Wildlife Board. This decision came during the hearing of a public interest litigation filed by Vijay Nishant, a Bengaluru-based conservationist on the behalf of Ruksha Foundation, a conservation NGO. 
On 9th March, project was decided to be scrapped without any opposition by the state board. But after 11 days, another meeting was held again to discuss the project. Only six people were a part of the second meeting, and there is no particular reason stated as to why the project was approved even when it was rejected earlier. The 164-kilometer Hubli-Ankola railway line passes through the pristine forest between two major protected areas. that is kali tiger reserve and bethi conservation reserve more than 80% of the line passes through the dense forest lands of the western ghats this project requires a diversion of 727 hectares of pristine evergreen and semi deciduous forest and 2.2 lakh trees in karwar yelarpur and darwad will need to be felled the total land required is 995 hectares comprising of 595 hectares of forest land 184 hectares of wetland and 190 hectares of dry land the railway line alignment cuts through the wildlife habitat that is rich in highly endangered species including tigers elephants lion-tailed macaques gorse sambar cheetal mouse deers common giant flying squirrels etc The ecosystem also harbors 653 species out of which 352 are endemic. 157 species of reptile of which 62% are endemic to the Western Ghats. 219 species of fishes which have 53% under the endemic category. Forest officials stated that these forest land falls in the ecologically fragile Western Ghats which is home to rare and endangered flora and fauna. If the project is cleared it will destroy the natural and perennial flow of many tributaries and rivers in the Kali valley thereby creating havoc in the natural ecosystem of Karnataka and leading to climate change This project has been stayed by the Supreme Court Central Empowered Committee for violating the Conservation Act FCA of 1980 The Union Ministry of Environment and Forest has rejected the project proposal a few months back under the FCA. Alongside a petition was filed in the Karnataka High Court opposing the railway line. The petitioner Giridhar Kulkarni also confirmed the development. Even after the project was rejected the Karnataka Rail Infrastructure Development Enterprise in collaboration with the Ministry of Railways had already dug 40 km of stretch which includes 1.1 km of rejected forest land studies and analysis done by the central and state agencies have stated that balahari iron ore production on hold this railway line is going to be grossly underutilized with three more railway lines in the region and a highway the project does not serve any purpose The Vasco line is only 20 kilometers from Karwar port and can serve any future ore transportation needs. This case will come up for the next hearing on July 14th. Let's hope that the Supreme Court gives the judgment in favor of the environment and scraps this project once and for all. So we end today's episode here and we hope you enjoyed listening to us. If you really like this episode, please hit the like button and make sure to subscribe to stay updated. and don't forget to share this video we really appreciate your humble support on patreon link is down in the description stay tuned we'll be back soon with new topics